Go ahead and give me that sanity check. <laughs> Ooh, too bad, so sad. Looks like you just picked up a derangement, friend. Happy Harvey here, and you'd be insane not to check out Chaotic Click Clacks. That's right, friends. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, or Etsy and search up Chaotic Click Clacks. Peruse their exotic array of handmade gaming dice. So the next time you're staring into the gaping mall of insanity, you can do so with confidence and style. Remember, Chaotic Click Clacks, where we want to be your clack dealer. Hey, everybody. Just a kind of heads up, this will be a two-part episode as we talk with the Lost Lorn writing crew, also called Team Incarnate. So uh, we're going to talk about episode or <laughs> chapters one through three, and then part two will be chapters four through seven. Uh, also, the first episode will have all the good ins and outs of the crew and all the fun stuff like that. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Maximum Rural Entertainment Podcast, where we take the time to interview folks within the gaming industry, and today we have a full house, and I always say that occasionally, but we have a lot of folks joining us today from Lost Lauren Games. Uh, this project spearheaded right now by John. We don't use last names here, but John, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and normally I'd introduce everybody that I want to butcher people's name. Uh, I believe Lost Lorne is a very international group of folks. So I'm going to say, let's let everybody introduce themselves, go around the table. Uh, so welcome Team Incarnate. Indeed. Uh, uh, my name's John and uh, I helped uh, lead the team and produce uh, this uh, with the help of the team and uh I don't know what else to say. <laughs> now that that works, we'll we'll get into what what the team consists of in Lost Lorne uh, after everybody. Okay. Goes through I, I didn't really know what else to say. So yeah. No, cool. that, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so uh, yeah, who uh, who wants to jump up next to introduce themselves and talk a little bit about how they came to uh, Lost Lorne Games? I personally uh, vote Rocky. All right, Rocky, <laughs> you're up. You got called out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm Rocky. I am a writer and designer. Uh, I've been working last work basically since from the start. I probably am one of the most old members here. Yep. And where are you and from? I'm, Brazil. I'm from Brazil. I'm from a city called Brasilia. Nice. And I'm really glad to be here. All right, glad to have you. All right, who's up next? Um, my name is James Drucker. Uh, I'm a writer on uh, Bloodstone Isle. Uh, I was brought in like maybe five, six months ago, uh, kind of partly against my will. Um, <laughs> just sort of happened one afternoon uh, and uh, uh, been having a lot of fun with these guys ever since. Right on. They seem to trust me. Yeah. Everything's going to plan. Excellent. Bring down the infrastructure from the inside. <laughs> who's uh, who's oh, up next? You know, give I, me away. 
All right. Carrie, what about, what about you? Why don't you go you diamond people out? You're up. Yeah, I'm really good at that. Um, <laughs> so uh, my name's Carrie. I was brought on by Jason one day who said, hey, uh, how are you with maps? Ah. And I said, I don't know. How good do you need me to be with maps? <laughs> I'm a, uh, the resident, resident uh, cartographer here. I also do some... Cyrus is getting fidgety, but I also do some uh, some monster design for the group. I've been here since uh, November of 2020, right in the middle of a move. And uh, I've been doing stuff uh, just here and there throughout Lost Learn ever since. All right, cool. And uh, who, who's a Osiris? Is that a... <laughs> uh, Osiris is my reptile back here. He's a Chinese water dragon, and oh, he nice. knows that he's very pretty. Yeah, he's showing off his tail and everything. So the <laughs> listener, you can't see, but we're at Zoom meeting right now, and Osiris has got full-length tail out and is now facing away from us. It's um, <laughs> awesome. All right, who's up next? My name is Jason, um, and I've been on Lost Lorne for about a year. Um, and I don't, this is one of those, I don't know what else to say. Uh, I've, I've been privileged to be on, uh, Mark's executive team and, uh, have been, uh, with John and Gregor, uh, uh, through quite a bit of the early planning of Bloodstone Isle. Um, I guess we'll talk more about that later. Oh, um, yeah. it's, it's, it's transitioned quite a bit, uh, as the process went, and, uh, and, and what an amazing team these, these people are. It's just been a joy to be able to brainstorm with them and, and craft this island alongside Mark. Yeah, it's, it's shaping up pretty well. Uh, oh, and I, live in, and I live in West Virginia. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I feel that's very important. <laughs> yeah, I know. I started to realize that I've uh, gone around the table. This very, uh, sounds very much like an AA meeting. This is not... <laughs> <laughs> or an intervention so if anybody's like wait a minute i'm being cornered here uh that is not the case uh but we'll go ahead and continue with the introductions Ooh. somebody's pizza arrived someone's home uh who else we got uh, my name out. is gregor okay uh gregor i'm from sweden uh, on the southwest part uh, near Gothenburg, which is our second city. Uh, and um, I've been on Lost Lawn for a year now, as Jason mentioned. And me and Jason and John were uh, with Mark, were the first ones to try to uh, get a bearing on uh, the Bloodstone Isle uh, project. <laughs> so we worked very close together for quite a while, and that was great fun. And uh, it was cool to see how it developed and uh, getting all the artists in and uh, it's it's yeah it's grown a lot and it's changed a lot during these uh, uh, well six seven months we've been working on it and uh, yep. it's been great fun um, and uh, I ended up on Lost Lorn because I had Mark on Facebook and we actually I actually met Mark. Uh, 30 years ago or something <laughs> on a, oh, on nice. a convention in, in Sweden. And, uh, but I ended up a bit, uh, we had a discussion about COVID and you know, the world today <laughs> and they invited me so very kindly. So, uh, 
and now I'm here since a year. Uh, yeah, about a year. All right, cool. And loving it. Great team. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. All righty. I think we got a few more out there. Rich. Jed. Or Jed. Sure. Um, I'm Jed. <laughs> uh, I've been with Lost Lorn eh, almost a year. I uh, got into it. Uh, thanks to Jason, he, uh, I asked him one day, you know, if he needed any help with the project, and he said, sure, do a bunch of reading and help write. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm from West Virginia, and that's about it. All right, cool. Yeah, his famous last words when we're like, oh, do you need any help? And everybody's like, yes. <laughs> Why do I? <laughs> and then next thing you know, you're writing a really cool book. All right, cool. And uh, yeah, there's 10 people here uh, for the list. That was... So. That was about how it happened for me, too. I had a friend who kept sharing things uh, from this page called Lost Lorn, and it was all these really neat visuals of all these exotic locations and these story ideas that had kind of come together. And I was like, hey, hey, what are you, what are you doing over there? He said, oh, well, you should talk to my you should talk to John and he can get you hooked up with the geography team. It's like geography team. That sounds great. I'm all for that. And so I talked to, talked to John and John said, all right, yeah, you, you can come and, and make up little places with us and have some ideas. I was like, Oh, wonderful. I'd love to, I'd love to share in that. And it slowly changed from geography team to bloodstone team. And then, yeah, we've been making neat spaces ever since. Yeah, definitely. You, you may need to introduce yourself, Rich. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm rich. <laughs> Sorry, I'm rich. I'm in Wisconsin. <laughs> the voice. Behind. All right, cool. Yeah, I know. I was like, wait a minute. Did, did you introduce yourself? <laughs> no. But now, now like we'll all know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. You have a yeah. very good, uh, see, you could be the narrator for the book. I, I like that. He's, we'll he's talk got a good later. voice. Yeah. We'll talk later about that. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Who got? Uh, oh, that makes it me then. Yeah. So. Yeah. Brian, that's all you. <laughs> I'm Brian J. McLean. I'm a writer. I um, as well. I'm the, the marketing director uh, for Lost Lorne, um, but I do a lot of the uh, graphic design, uh, a lot of the web web placement um, decisions, social media, as well as I am writing on Bloodstone um, for the last six months. But I've been part of Lost Lorne for probably over 12 months here with with John and Robert, who's not with us, and Garrett, and uh, and uh, it's been a wonderful summer again we're coming into that time again and so we've done a lot this this year and i think it's been pretty exciting but i i knew mark kind of sideways as well um from the internet so i came on to lost lorn by just being like oh what's mark up to and he was just doing this new thing and so i was like oh that's cool and i was following it for a few months and then i just kind of jumped on board and I think it was a really great opportunity to just um, do some more game writing because I'd, I'd written for a few games at that point. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. I'll just do some more. So it's really great. There's, as Jason was saying earlier, there's, it's such a wonderful team. Uh, we've really come together to, to put this whole um, thing into perspective, to, to create this world and to get this, this game rolling. Um, so we're going to talk a bit more about that later, but I think it's been a really good experience for all of us, uh, and I'm having a great time. We've got a lot more to come. I think that's where the very beginning, and that's what's most exciting for me. I think we have a lot of stories to tell, so I'm looking forward to what we can do the rest of the many years, but definitely the rest of this year, we have more stuff coming, so good yeah. to hear. Awesome. Right on. Excellent. Uh, yeah, so this is the uh, Team Incarnate, part of the Lost Lorne uh, writing and development team 
there's several other little groups of folks and we'll get to them hopefully within the next couple of weeks but uh i wanted to get with you guys because the newest book that's coming out or a pair uh hopefully with the kickstarter <clears throat> happening in july ish uh and so that'd be your guys's book coming up so let's talk a little bit about um bloodstone isles Anybody want to tell me about the two different books? <laughs> sure. So the Bloodstone Isle has been written uh, in a fashion where there are two books. Uh, there is one that's specifically designed for the players, and there is one that is specifically designed for the tale spinner or a game master. Uh, and the one that is set up for the players is it's a zine uh both of these books are uh in a zine format they're going to be five by five by eight by five uh measurements and it's basically half the size of a book uh and we've been putting them out chapter by chapter um and once we finish with that we intend to consolidate them both into just two solid books and essentially the first one called the gazetteer uh is essentially uh, meant to be a compilation of different letters that a character named Adsquil uh, has created. And these players are essentially going to be uh, creating these characters who will be following these, these letters and will be exploring this uh, island. Uh, whereas the Cyclopedia is going to be a book that is used by the Tailspinner uh, with a uh, game hints and uh, stats and all sorts of information that they can use to add some real dimension to the uh, world, uh, to the island, and to the uh, setting. Anybody else want to jump in? That was pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I was like, man, that, that, that's it. We're that done. Okay. Wrap it up. All right. No, We're no, that's cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, Brush off your shoulder. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's really cool that, that you're approaching uh, a gaming style. So I believe uh, if you don't want to play it as a game, it'd just be a really cool two book novel that you can thumb through. Oh, absolutely. Well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There are there are mysteries in it. There are riddles. Um, I do think it would make a good read. Uh, one of the advantages of it, um, Bloodstone Isle, is not fixed in the multiverse, and so it. Do, you know, some people may say, "Well, why do I? How? Why do I need this? Where could it fit? You know, it wouldn't fit into my game. Oh, it'll fit anywhere. Uh, Bloodstone Isle specifically was designed as an island that shifts through the multiverse. And so it fits in any game, every game. Um, pick your favorite D&D world of Eberron or Ravnica. That's fine. Pick something else. If you run Lord of the Rings um, yeah. or pick pick any role-playing game that you want. It doesn't even have to be a fantasy. You can run Shadowrun or Cyberpunk or something. And if you've got a body of water, you've got an island that can show up. So it's it's... And, and its systems light. It is fifth edition D&D compatible, but it doesn't have to be. It wouldn't take much to shift it over to any other game. Mm. And so that's kind of one of the advantages of it is you can apply it to any game you want. Um, anything you are running, we're, we're light on stats because we want you to be able to make it your game for your system. Mm. Indeed. 
Okay. I like that. Now, one aspect of this island that I do want to point out is uh, we have designed it in such a way that for the most part, it's what we would call a low magic setting. Um, There are opportunities for... uh, so when you are, if you were to bring in, let's say you're playing D&D and you bring in an Asimar or you bring in an elf, a high, you know, a sorcerer or something like that, there would be uh, some modifications you'd want to, uh, you'd want to uh, work with what we have in the, in the cyclopedia to be able to make that uh, fit the best. But for the most part, the way this setting is, is it's low magic. There's a lot of... Um, Essentially, uh, everything is almost mechanistic, uh, even the magic, the way we have it. It's not called magic. It's called the uncanny. And there are different forces of this uncanny, which we call the Dwimmer. And there are seven Dwimmer. And the way they interact, it's, it's uh, very formulaic. It's, it's, uh, it's just really cool, almost in an alchemistic chemistry kind of way. Okay. I like that. It's not, not too shabby. Um... You know, it's one of those things I, I'm looking through the art right now and, and uh, the covers and uh, get the sneak peek to check out all the stuff that you guys have done so far. Uh, but you know what? Uh, we talked about Mark uh, a little bit and he just messaged me. Uh, he might. Uh, would you like to have him join or? or sure. uh, yeah, absolutely. I, all right. So yep. like right here, right in the middle of it, um, <laughs> Mark Reinhagen is going to join us for uh <laughs> uh the the interview that's great so cool. that's awesome on in a second uh but you know let's cycle through what, let's go back to what why this is the first project for lost learn like what what inspired everybody or you know the concept of, of bloodstone isles well i think i think uh, and I, I think jason can speak to this possibly a little bit more than i can but uh we wanted to get uh, an adventure a really deep adventure that could kind of set the stage uh for uh entering the mainland of lost Lorne, but at the same time not be entirely uh anchored to it that you could literally adapt a bunch of different uh possibilities and settings and so by creating this island where it shifts through the multiverse it gives uh players and and uh storytellers uh tail spinners the opportunity to do this in the most feasible way um and one aspect of this is uh pirateering uh, that that one of the main themes of this are uh mary ann and calico jack and I think that Jason, being such a fan of the pirate uh, lifestyle, he knows so much. I'd really rather have him take over uh, <laughs> from here because <laughs> I'm just going to destroy it probably. Well, I mean, ahead, I, it's really cool that you picked pirates to be the first uh, environment to, to throw mm-hmm. out there. So that's, I was very encouraged. But go, go ahead. What do you got, Jason? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's Mark Reinhagen, so it doesn't take, he'll come up with ideas, but at some point it comes back to vampires. So uh, part of it was going to have a bit of a vampire theme and we kind of kept easing more into it. The more we got, the more he wanted it. But I also remember where uh, I was sitting in my local coffee shop and he called me up one day and he said, what do you know about Calico Jack and Anne and Mary? And uh, little did Mark know that Back in high school, man, I ran a pirate role 
Like, <laughs> I, I said, oh, yeah, Calico Jack. He was executed in 1720. Uh, Mary Reed, Anne Bonny, famous threesome of pirates. Yeah, they're, they were uh, Calico Jack's real name was John Rackham. And, and, and Mark said, oh, good, you know about this. Let's, let's run with this. Um, and, I, and it was very surreal in some ways because it was a sizable shift. But I, Mark has good intuition. And I think pirates is an easy theme to run with. You don't, you don't have to explain things to players on, you just say pirates and you're good. Uh, so yeah. to be able to say that Bloodstone Isle has vampires and pirates uh, in, a, in a low magic fantasy setting, you're, you're pretty good. You, you, you get a good start to, a good overview of our starting point. Mm. And uh, so, so yeah, for the record, uh, there was a pirate named John Rackham uh, who went by the the nickname Calico Jack, uh, who had a very short and brief pirating career and was probably more famous for the fact that he had two girlfriends that were also pirates, um, Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed. Um, and when they captured his ship and a second ship, uh, which only had a combined crew of 23, uh, when they captured these two ships, they executed historically we know they executed 18 of the 23 um mary and anne happened to be pregnant and the british royal navy would not execute pregnant women um and there's a little bit of a mystery about the what happened to those other three that got captured and were scheduled to be executed and then weren't and or 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 at least there's no record of them being executed <clears throat> And we go into that a little bit in, in the Curse of Bloodstone Isle. And uh, so we, we, not, we don't just use uh, Jack and Mary and Anne as our characters, but we even reference some of their crew. And uh, so I, I think we had a lot of fun with that. It, it's kind of that taking a little bit of history and then running with it quite a bit. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Mm. Oh, yeah. Indeed. It's, it's a lot of, I love using history in game pro, uh, when I run games and stuff. So, you know, that's, that's really cool. Especially if you have like a base of something in history that you can, uh, you know, instead of making it up all yourself, you have a foundation mm -hmm. to build off of, uh, and then, yeah. you know, it gives are, it a ground. Yeah. Folks yeah. Well, the more the players know already, the less you have to explain. So if you've got a, a frame of reference that they can already be familiar with, it makes the job so much easier. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Uh, during during uh, your your speech there, uh, Jason, uh, Mark jumped on. Uh, Mark, is that how that played out? He just walked. Hey, up Mark. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey. hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if you caught all of uh, what Jason was saying about uh, the concept of Bloodstone Isles, but it seemed like it all played out pretty well like that. I could yeah, the only that. thing that I might make is that, uh, you know, Lost Storm might be more of a low magic setting, but I think Bloodstone uh, is, um, well, medium magic, shall we say. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, so uh, why don't we that dive into... Out, you know. Yeah, let's, let's dive into the first book. We talked about the first book, The, the Gazetteer. Uh, so let's go into a little bit about that, and then we'll shift over to the other book. Uh, so let's talk about uh, chapter one of that. Who wants to dive into chapter one? How many chapters are there, by the way, just for the listeners? So they're like, oh, God, how many chapters? Is there like 15 chapters? What's happening? Seven, seven, seven chapters. Seven All right, seven cycle. chapters. <laughs> of each. Seven, yeah. seven in both books. Okay. Yeah. I, so 
Go ahead. So the, the first chapter uh, is as it should be. It's kind of like an introduction. Uh, it goes into describing the general uh, plot, the general themes, uh, the general uh, <laughs> island locations, uh, major players, factions, things of that nature. Um, and from there, uh, chapters two through seven are the main six general regions on the island that the uh, characters progressive through um, with the adventures. Okay. Yeah, I, and it's pretty well laid out. Again, I'm just cycling through it. And yeah, again, you know, the introduction, the, the backstory on it, and mm -hmm. it's pretty well formed. And again, you have a mountain of writers uh, to go through it. Uh, and and put the story together and it seems like it's it flows very nicely and it's not like 20 different perspectives uh yeah yeah we up. we tried to we tried to stick with one person's perspective which was Adsquiel, um who uh, is a scribe and scholar working for erasmus uh who uh, resides at sliving law and essentially uh we did allow for a couple different perspectives when it seemed appropriate but basically for the most part it simply adds wheel writing and when we had those perspectives it pretty much was him uh, recounting from other people's uh, accounts um, but basically we tried to keep that uniformity uh, so that it wasn't too confusing all right yeah so i see there's a timeline uh, from year zero to one fifty nine. So yes. the player can they use a different a year if like they wanted to have a different type of setting, or is it supposed to be done in sequence? You you could conceivably run it in an earlier year. Uh, each of the chapters, each of the gazetteers has a timeline that focuses on the the six different regions of the island. Suppose I, you could set it during, um, certainly during the splintering would be a very interesting time to set a game. Uh, and there's probably enough information that there's three or four time eras that probably have enough to work with. Um, uh, the, the conquest of the great pirate armada, the blood rose war between yep. Mary and Anne, the splintering, uh, and uh, which leads into the first scouring. Those three eras probably have enough detail that you could set something in those eras. Um, but by and large, I think the game is kind of meant to be all of those, all of those eras still leave things unfinished. And the purpose of Bloodstone kind of brings to conclusion the stuff that Jack and Mary and Anne started 159 years ago. So you, you, you could set it at a different era, but uh, it, it, it is geared mainly towards the year 159. One of the things, because it does its space and time hop thing, one of the things I'd kind of wanted to do with the group was to take them and do them while the, uh, while the three captains were pillaging the multiverse, mm -hmm. was to set up a, like a medium power campaign there, and then to take the, the Badlander-style characters and take them through the, the mm -hmm. campaign as we have it. I thought that would be kind of cool. All right, that looks cool. I like that. Uh, yeah, so I'm just scrolling down through uh, chapter one, and I, I, as I'm briefly going through it, it, it reminds me of 
a little bit of Skyrim, but not not too much. But there's a, a <laughs> Skyrim section where it's a pirate themed base, and I was like, oh, that sounds like an awesome world to to pillage everything. I just imagine players now just having a boat, and that's all they're doing is they're just going through time, pillaging different you know errors. What and and the game can go that direction mm-hmm. if, if, if the gm wants yeah one of the things i really like about bloodstone is it's not a railroad there are so many options there are so many factions that you could align with and the storm to- no not the storm tossed the blight torn the, the blight torn are the pirates and you could absolutely align with them you could follow in the footsteps of captain jack and you know, an island that can travel through the multiverse is a great tool if you want to plunder not just your oceans, but all the oceans. And you can do that with Bloodstone. You, you, you could make Bloodstone uh, uh, your to an extent. You could use, you can't control it at this stage of the game, but you could, uh, you could ride it from world to world and plunder mm-hmm. each of the worlds. Yeah, you could do that. Absolutely. This is kind of like the Neverland that Captain Hook I really ever wanted. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit more twisted. Yeah, yeah I got you. Yes, I got you. a lot more. Oh, so, yeah. for sure. And then since we and- have one of the artists on board, why don't you go ahead and uh, dive into art? And I looked at some of the layout pages, the previous layout pages, and there's a ton mm-hmm. of art in there. Uh, why don't you oh, yeah. the perspective of uh, the art style? So um, the art style, we have a lot of really great artists not including myself, by the way, I'm not going to toot my own horn the whole time. Um, we have You're great. Like... <laughs> we'll toot it for you. She, she's fantastic. She is fantastic. Yeah. Really good. You guys are making me blush. Really I don't you. know if you can see it, but you are. Don't worry. The, the Patreons will see the video. So uh, yeah. Oh, shoot. Okay. So there's a red background. It's my only saving grace. Anyways. Um, so some of the artwork that's in here, we have a lot of work from Derek Stevens. We have work from Vigelis, and we have uh, now Soso on the team. They're all fantastic, and they all have their unique art styles. And what's great about each and every one of them, oh, oh and I forgot Adam, can't forget Adam's him. Covers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, can't forget him. We have so many artists, though, and each one has their own unique art style, and they bring different things to the table. Derek, obviously, with his very, like, deep and almost uh, grungy, but dark mood that he brings to some of these characters and when we combine it with some of the writing styles of the artists themselves you can almost like don't even need the picture anymore you can just see them moving throughout this setting and then we get into some of these horror creatures and that's the only way to put it right because no matter what if it doesn't if it's not just a normal deer if it's not from this world we start uh, perceiving anything that is other as horror. And even if you look into some of the uh, chapter two things that we were, we should probably talk about, uh, like the night rook. The night rook is one of my favorites or the rocky toad. And you have all of these creatures that literally are part of this setting and part of this world. And then you are reminded very quickly that they were here first. And people and players, I suppose, who forget that are on the menu. So, (laughs) (laughs) but even developing more than that, um, we have all of these 
uh, I mentioned Vigelis before, and I hope that I'm saying his name right. Um, Vigelis, who has these beautiful, absolutely gorgeous landscaped images where there's like, you're, you fall in love with the setting mm -hmm. and then you are immediately horrified by it. And it's that wonderful tug that art does for you because art, as we have discussed in our own private meetings, is uh, capturing the human experience, capturing those moments that make us remember who we are despite our outer exteriors. And I think those, all of that stuff, I know I've talked a lot already, all of those things come together in Lost Lorne in order to make a wonderful, surprising, and horror-filled setting, which is my favorite personally. <laughs> yep, I like it. So far, it's a good read. I love going through it. It's really awesome. I like the just like you get lost in the story. Not in a bad way, everybody. It's more of mm -hmm. a you you get immersed into it and it makes you want to uh to start a game, even if you don't play D D and you know people that do or play role-playing games it makes you want to like you want to be that experience and and be involved somehow or change the you know what's happening so that's that's pretty cool and it's yeah. funny that you mentioned that because uh lost lorn if i do remember correctly literally means lost stories oh yeah yeah if uh, i remember right is that correct anybody <laughs> else can uh, second that motion I was not aware of that, but sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, it's official. We're, we're good to go. Let's okay. go with that. <laughs> All yeah, right. Like well, well, you know what? Honestly, that uh, is would be very poetic. If indeed that's the case, that would be very poetic. <laughs> seeing as how, seeing as how Lost Lorne serves itself serves as a, a prison. It's like a prison place where they just you can't escape. And so, indeed, those stories would be lost to that realm, or lost stuck in that realm okay i like it all right uh so yeah the art really does you know tell the story as well there's so much art and it gives you like a little visual to to what you're reading so it's a great compliment and i i think the artists all do an amazing job and really every page showing Absolutely. every single page has something mm. just spectacular so i can't wait for the book to come out uh, let's dive into chapter two or volume two. Reboot landing. Mm -hmm. The the quiet spot of the island because <laughs> it's the most recently settled. Um, Briar folk are, are people just trying to live a quiet life. Unfortunately, um, their village has some problems. Um, but then there's also the Iron Knight and Rocky should talk to us about the Iron Knights. Oh, uh, <clears throat> so the Iron Knights are my creation. They are basically religious zealots. They, they are also a new fighter subclass that I created for D&D 5e. They are I tried to create a character that their equipment raises in level with them. And the Iron Knights are probably the major military force in, in Bloodstone Isle. And 
they have a couple of secrets that I can't, I can't really tell. You have, you have to read to see. <clears throat> but uh, sorry. <laughs> no, you good? No. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. It's all good. I have translating my own heart, my own head sometimes. Sorry. You're doing fantastic, Rocky, <laughs> as usual. <laughs> and uh -oh. so, uh, the Iron Knights are basically, they are antagonists to the Badlander. They have uh, the same mission, but they have different fields of, of how that mission should be achieved. And that's why they are always in fighting with the Badlanders, even if they're on <coughs> the same side of the phone. Yeah, I like it. And I do yeah. think, I, I do think of another fighter subclass. I don't want to say another. A fighter subclass is a good selling point for the book in itself. Mm -hmm. um, just to have another to, to have another option for fighters who don't get a lot of love in D, &D. Uh, what Rocky did with them their ties to their equipment uh, is pretty genius and I really think that fans of DD who would like something a little bit different with the fighter class would this alone is worth buying the product definitely it makes for a good setting and you get two books uh, instead of one which is Mm -hmm. pretty pretty unique and I, I do like the concept of having uh so you have a player's handbook and a dm's guide but it's not that's not specifically what it is it's it's more or less uh I, the dm gets a key to uh the you know gazetteers so it basically they have the ability to know the answers to all the questions while mm -hmm. still being immersed within the world or uh, within the session yeah, that's pretty much the the relationship of the two books, though, because um, really, the we present information in the gazetteer from the point of view of of a character called Ad Adsquil. Ad, I can never pronounce that properly. Adsquil. He can't either. Adsquil. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't know how in, I feel now. Yeah, and in the encyclopedia, the corresponding chapter is the same location, but done from a more perfunctory. Uh, informational point of view as opposed to a, a character's point of view so it's james is downplaying it yeah. that's incorrect for the, for the dm all of the secrets get reviewed so all the, the activity that's happening for the players are either misleading or information that's half half truth and until you get to actually see the full story it does get revealed to the 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 the, the dungeon master and i think the thing that's exciting is that you might not be getting what you expect in that reading, but continue, James. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, that. no, like, that's fine. It's exciting. Like, There's something there, right? Yeah, I was getting there, but I mean, that's that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I mean, from the fact that it's 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 the truth as opposed to um, just the single perspective of one person who's just visiting the aisle. And I just wanted to say, and of course, this is the way we've designed it so that the players would only look at the gazetteer and that the tail spinner would look at, well, he would be aware of, or they, I shouldn't say he, they would be aware of that, but they would also have the cyclopedia. With that being said, there are always going to be those people that will buy both books and read both books. Mm -hmm. Like me. 
but you know, <laughs> cheater. I absolutely cheat every time. No, I have thyself. It's good. It's it right. doesn't mean it'll play out like that either. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, yeah, obviously, my Covered character would options. know. Yeah, yeah, my character would. But uh, yeah, I would definitely. One of, mm-hmm. one of the things I'd also point out, and I think this has been said, but I want to emphasize: the gazetteer is not even for players; it's for characters. It is an character prop yeah. that, that you can read and your characters know what's in it. The assumption is um, at some point the characters received Adsquill's journals. Oh, okay. Um, either they got them from Erasmus at Sliving Maw or uh, they never made it off bloodstone isle and when the players wash up the characters sorry when the characters wash up on shore uh or cross the tidal causeway and they are um taken in by the iron knights let's use that phrase um (laughs) that that the iron knight or jacques the badlander might give them here are anskill's journals make of Mm. them what you can and so they're an in-character resource which i think is really fun a lot of games will have like, oh, hey, here's a page that you can copy for mm-hmm. your players. But what we've got is, oh, hey, here's this player's book that will be at current estimate nearly, you know, nearly 200 pages long it, at that half size, that yeah. zine format that is only, as John said, uh, five and a half inches tall. But at the same point, it's going to be a lot of information for the players. So we want them to lose themselves into it. And we think we've given them enough. Yeah. There's so much on this Island that we hope that you can run not like, Oh, Hey, it's an adventure, but it's a campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you could run, you could run months per neighborhood. And we've got six neighborhoods on the Island, six regions. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot there. And my play tests every time um, they're told about um, bloodstone, given the mission then they're given the book and you know the idea is that you know at the gaming table there could be this great moment where the where the game master um just throws this book across the table and says and here's the book <laughs> you know, how often like you know do you get to do that you can give them a map yeah. sometimes but how often I mean, in gaming yeah. do you actually get to give someone the book and then quickly going back to ad squill as someone who is obsessed with um, <laughs> um, the quill part is literally a quill like to write with, but ads is like that is a very ancient axe that's used to plane wood. So the idea is that he's a he's a um, kind of a badass planer. It used to be in, in writing if you planed someone that you were you were basically roughing smoothing out their rough edges of their writing or their ideas. Nice. So. So he's the guy who's smoothing out the people's writing. So he's the, the writer who, who rewrites people or, or is overly critical. Anyway, I, lo- I love the name. Yeah, no, I think, you know, and to have the ability to, you know, that's where your cross platform goes into play or your, your cross plays. Mm-hmm. Characters can go into an inn or something, say they're on a, you know, near a port or something and they find a dingy dude in the corner uh, and it's like, they're looking for a quest. Well, check out this, you know, you get that mysterious book and then, you know, next, mm-hmm. next thing you know, you're whisked away to uh, uh, Bloodstone. So I think that's yeah. really cool. It's just, you know, it's one of those things where you wish you had it in some video games like that, where you just yeah. find that book. Well, and and the only thing that really comes close that I have played 
personally as a board game, not as a campaign, is Betrayal at House at the Hill. And still, that still has, it's not immersive, right? It's not as immersive. It's still, you roll dice, you get so many spaces to move. You have your own book if you're the trader and the, uh, the survivors have their own thing. Whereas here, it's no, <laughs> no, honey, no, honey. This is all <laughs> something you're actually getting. I'm going to leave that for you for about 30 minutes. I'm going to go get pizza. I'll be yes. right back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And now the player's like, oh, God, now I have to read this. But, you know, it, it's, it it's works a fun out read. Great. Yeah, it yeah. works out great because of the, the storytelling. Yeah, it doesn't have to sit Well, it's, it's just very cool that the book itself is a relic of the setting that you're in, really, a relic or a, an artifact of, of, of Bloodstone Isle itself, not just a player's guide, quote unquote. And right. what Rocky was saying before, if you get like a nice Iron Knight, he'd be like, oh yes, this is, this is one of our ancient texts, whereas one of the Iron Knights might, might be, this guy was crazy, here's his book, get out of my face, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's, so, it's so different. Yeah, Rocky made them perfect. He made them perfect. Okay. And what I think is mo most interesting about the about the book is because we all know that meta gaming happens. Mm -hmm. The players look at the DM's guide at, at the Monster Manor, and uh, this is the allowed meta game because the oh. book has information. Right. The players should read it. Yeah, definitely. It, it that that's a good point. When I was designing games in college, um, one of the things that our teachers taught us was always, um, unless it says no, cheating is allowed. <laughs> That's good. Okay. That's good. Yeah. yeah. So Apparently we're literally just allowing teacher. cheating. Because <laughs> like I said, I'll That's do it. it. I'll cheat. I know. <laughs> well, I also think there's something unique in, in both of these editions. Um, uh, in terms of the books that we're we're going to roll out here, because what's what's happening is that we've got different components. That it's got the factions, it's got the locations, it has specific adventures with specific details, it has plot hooks outside of that, and this is more of a palette where you can pull from all of these different elements and characters and monsters and and bring those into what into a existing campaign or create your campaign out of this. Um, you can, and you can just play them in these specific locations as well. And I think that palette of choice is really available because every time I read this, I keep finding something I completely forgot about because <laughs> at seven chapters and two books, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of content. And so I'm like, who are these people again? I'm like, oh, they're in <laughs> chapter one. <laughs> so I almost forget how, how interesting there is because we have to go backwards to realize how many elements are available to us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why there's so much um, energy when you, when you sit down with the, when you finally get sit down with these, these full completed books is that we're going to get a chance to like pick and choose what parts work for what we're trying to tell. And I think there's some really scary elements um, and, and maybe um, Rich or, or um, uh, Jed would like to talk about like their favorite, um faction or their favorite um like i know that the um the iron knights are very prevalent on the island but there's many other factions that i think are specific to each region and i wondered if there was like a favorite that stood out for you guys as well 
and it may be something or i don't mean to, to derail that are we on freeboot landing or are we moving to oh we're still in chapter section? Two, kelly we don't want to no no we're still on chapter two but uh brian makes a good point so yeah uh we can always go back to chapters there's no problem with that so okay. put people on the spot so yeah so we've talked about a few of the characters but uh yeah it'd be great to get a different perspective of, of some of the other ones so one of my one of my like secret favorites i think is probably gregor's uh the 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 scavengers on the on the wheel and so there is this titanic structure that's buried somehow beneath the island chapter and, four yeah that's up in chapter four and i they're they're just um a little savage and a little uh a little ingenuity there's a there's a lot of ingenuity in there in their detachedness from everything else that's going on i i thought they were pretty fun thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Chapter, yeah. Yeah. chapter I, 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 if I can share just a, what I hope is a brief anecdote about chapter two. Chapter sure. two was kind of different than the rest of the chapters. Mark wrote a lot of chapter one. Um, John and Gregor and I had the chance to, to help him out, but Mark did a lot of the work on chapter one. Um, when we got to Freeboot Landing, we had a lot written. Um, back in the Thanksgiving time, uh, John and Gregor and I, uh, Mark, Mark took kind of a week of ab, and uh, uh, his, he, he was unavailable for about a week. And we put a lot of work in trying to get uh, Freeboot Landing. Gregor had this idea that we weren't going to make the original deadline we were shooting for, but maybe we could release the, uh, the book region by region. And it was a transformative idea. I mean, obviously, we ended up going with that, and it... it uh, my own opinion is it saved the project because it kept things, it kept all of our objectives very manageable. Oh, we can get this chapter done. That that won't, you know, that that'll only take a month, and it, it made it very easy uh, to to work our way through the book. Um, Freeboot, therefore, we had a lot of writers like Jed and Rich and others that kind of came into Freeboot, and we had to say, you know, in some ways, this chapter is mostly done there's a lot of work that early work that was done on it that we were able to use but that made it very fun then to go into the bone dust dunes chapter three and then say okay um sky's the limit guys hardly anything been written on this what do you guys want to do with this um there's a lot of room as writers to explore this and it was just a big shift from freeboot landing uh had 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 gone through quite a long and, and detailed planning. And I didn't mean to read, leave Rocky out with the Iron Knights. Rocky really pitched in on Freeboot Landing as well and did quite a bit. And then we got to the Bone Dust Dunes and it was something completely different. It was unexplored. And as writers, it felt like we were exploring the island. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree to that, Jason, because I think there was that point where kind of the world opened up for us. Like, we can do anything, but what do we do? <laughs> um yeah. right because if you can do anything <laughs> really cool. it's actually um it, it is a roadblock and unfortunately we, we had enough directions to still make good decisions and i think that's why we were like oh cool let's make this faction and what would work with that that element of this this location and i think that really makes every chapter unique 
in that we've made it strong based on the reality of where Ooh. where the, the characters are going yeah <laughs> boy oh boy does that take a huge toll into the map making as well i will tell you that um <laughs> so oftentimes this is how uh for those of you who don't know um usually it goes like this hey guys uh what area am i drawing this week and uh of course john will say you're drawing this area and i say okay what is the reading material and then i get to read about all of these different kinds of people and um what kind of monsters live there and what portion of the island it's actually part of and so a lot of the research that goes into the map making is places that already exist on planet earth but you know 10 times worse because that's how these things work right fantasy realms yep. so uh what's fun is once we got into um uh the dunes once we got into uh the dunes area we i remember one of the challenges was um hey so uh it's literally just a bunch of sand. And I'm like, John, you're killing me here. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, okay, but I, I believe in you. And when, even when I didn't believe in me for a minute, uh, John did. So uh, what happened was we all got together and we we're like, okay, so what can we do to make this thing interesting? And we started reading about it. And one of my favorite people personally, are the types that don't actually settle down. And I'm not going to go too much into it because I want you guys to read this. But uh, we incorporated some elements into the even the map where the players are encouraged to explore. And as someone who is an achievement hunter in every video game and has to complete all areas of the map before I can actually go into any story, this was fun developing maps that encouraged people to explore different areas with only um little hints on the map is what it was based on uh research it was so much fun <laughs> and i hope that uh those sort of things come through and other players like squint their eyes at the tiny at the the tiny little details that are put in there and they're like was that on purpose? <laughs> I like it. Most likely the answer is yes. So have fun with it. <laughs> uh, it sounds like a massive puzzle to uh, be unraveled. Yeah. Uh, Gary did an amazing job with that. And um, I also would say that in line with that, one of the, the main challenges that we had uh, with writing up these places was um, we all had really great ideas um, and you, know, you get a team of writers together and everybody uh, is coming up with these great ideas, but we're talking about an island. You know, we have a, a certain mm -hmm. amount of space, a certain amount of, so there's only so many people that could reasonably reside in a certain area. There's only so many, right? And so there was always a compromise. We always had to come together and compromise. Okay. How many people are really going to be a part of this village or how many people are going to be a part of this group or things of that nature and i remember same thing with uh, doing the maps you know we had to really um just sparse it out just right but it was really fun getting it and and balancing it out and i think it came together beautifully yeah <clears throat> it was like it. 
I can't wait. I mean, yeah, I get a little preview to see some stuff, but I can't wait for the actual uh, book itself. Uh, what's yep? Go ahead. I was just going to say the Bone Dust Dunes really impressed me. Um, having worked pretty heavily on Freeboot Landing, I thought, yeah, I'm going to stand back and 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 I don't want to do much on Bone Dust Dunes. It's time for the other writers to shine, or or crash. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and and then, no, and I say that because I stood back and went, this chapter's brilliant. I love this chapter. Um, and and I and in some ways it may be my favorite chapter. And I didn't write anything in it really. Um, uh, and, that's that's and, the joke. That's the joke though, Jason. Is that food always tastes better when you don't cook it? There and you're not well, so so I think that's yeah. a great element too, right? Um, well, and and whether it plays into the joke or not, it just amazed me how good the team was. And it was such a relief to think because I, it's hard to describe just how much work. Uh, John and Gregor and I did over Thanksgiving and then Rocky when he joined us a little bit later. Um, I, I just had this fear that was an untenable pace. The, the four of us couldn't keep that up. And it was such a relief to see that the Bone Dust Dunes was so interesting. Um, and, and that people came up with such brilliant ideas. Uh, it, it really, it was neat to see all the creative ideas. And it was an example that the, the whole was greater than the sum of the parts absolutely um, adding the whole team onto that chapter just made for a really wonderful outcome mm -hmm. and i agree and i think one of the challenges in each section is that sometimes we're just we're generating ideas and then we're and then we're able to play off each other's ideas and i think that makes it stronger an example here is i think i actually wrote an adventure for bone dust but we like ran a word count so we just moved it. We, <laughs> yeah. just, we just rewrote it to another section. So, so that's an Easter egg for somebody later. But um, I think that's the fun part is that um, we can make lots of things and then we realize, okay, we need to really focus on what's going to make this the strongest um, element of this chapter. And then once we sit down as a group, because um, we, we do our process with bullet points and we talk about them and then we write them out um, and then we still evaluate how each faction or what we've written works together with someone else's part. And I think that's what's made this a strong um, process is that we've been able to look at each section and say, okay, this is good, but this is better because we've given ourselves the option. So I think that's been great for everyone's brings it to the table pretty um, unexpectedly. Sometimes we come up with amazing ideas we didn't think of until it happens, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's been great to see the team kind of come together and be like, that's cool, but this would make it better. And then it's better. And I think that really kind of sells it for me is to go back and read these parts because I've forgotten what we specifically started out with um, and they become something new, mm -hmm. right? And that's exciting. And to Brian's point exactly, uh, a very basic, uh, a, I should say a pillar, uh, a principle that Mark has continuously ex uh, asked. He's basically, oh, at my totally... <laughs> but what what mark has constantly uh asked for is no idea is thrown away no idea is thrown away it may be changed uh it may be used as it is but if it doesn't fit a particular section we don't throw it away we simply set stow it away and we find out where it can fit when it can fit and so that's something that also has really helped with uh trying to keep writers engaged right you know like if if we're having people write and then we're just throwing their stuff away i mean that's going to destroy morale right people are going to be like right. well, why why should i write i mean everything i write seems to just get tossed out 
But that's not what we do. We simply say, okay, that's cool. Let's set it over here in this pile. And if it works, cool, let's, let's bring it in. And that's really, it's just been a real, uh, a real enjoyment because we can tell that our work is valued. Right. And, and that's, that's really important. Yep. Totally agree. No, that's, it's one of those things where, you know, everybody writes so much and there is so much when people get into a project that, you know, you could have, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 extra words or, or, you know, branch offs that you could take those and do something with it. You never want to just get rid of it. And having such a worldwide team uh, with different styles and backgrounds, you know, it's always nice to see what people come up with. So I think the whole concept is pretty uh, unique in itself uh, yeah. to have the different perspectives that you get with an international writing team. Absolutely. And that's where we're going to end part one of the Lost Lorne Writing Crew Incarnate. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Roll. Join us each week as we interview folks within the gaming and entertainment industry, such as writers, illustrators, artists, podcasts, Twitch and YouTube streamers, social media content creators, handcrafted gaming apparel and merchandise, and much more. You can find Maximum Roll on Apple and Spotify and anywhere else you find your podcast. If you want to be interviewed on the show, just email us at MaximumRollEntertainment at gmail.com or Instagram at Maximum underscore Roll underscore Entertainment underscore LLC. And if you like Maximum Roll, check out some of the other Dungeons and Dragons podcasts and streams on the Maximum Roll Entertainment Podcast Network, such as... Ah, uh, you know what? I'm just going to let them tell you about their shows. Looking for a unique and fun twist to your normal D&D podcast? Well, then check out Crumpets and Kerosene. This international podcast came together from the United States, Canada, Norway, and Germany. This fun homebrew game takes our adventures from the modern world into a land of roving gangs of killer clowns, creepy British children, the mating habits of dragons, and even Santa Claus. Join Jason, Alora, Merle, Sophia, Quentin, and Serene as they quest their way through the realms of mystery and evil. You can find Crumpets and Kerosene on Apple, Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, and everywhere you find podcasts. You can also find us on Patreon. Search Crumpets and Kerosene and get even more wild and crazy fun. Hey, hey, stop on by DD420.com. We're a guild of role players brought and bound together by Common Drive, the love of role playing games. We bring our individual skills and personalities together to breathe life into the worlds and games created by our game masters. We also offer podcasts such as Late Night with Jess and Jam. We have custom content, a bestiary for 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons and a Discord server where you can find games or just hang out and make new friends. That's dnd420.com. Need some excitement on that morning drive to work? Welcome, adventurers, to Constructed Chaos, a live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast full of unpredictable antics, borking doggos, and engaging fantasy storytelling and roleplay. With sessions recorded in a professional studio setting, you'll feel every bit of the action and hear every snide remark by the snarky NPCs. Jump in and have a listen to our flagship campaign, The Wrath of Zealous, to help us construct some chaos.
We also have Adventures Roundtable joining us on the network. If you have a podcast or a show that you want to join the network with, email us at MaximumRollEntertainment at gmail.com and we'll see what we can do. Take care. In a world of magic and mystery, where danger lurks around every corner, a new type of hero emerges. Brave. Resourceful. Potty trained. I pooped in my pants. Well, maybe not potty trained. Coming soon only to the Crumpets and Kerosene Patreon, it's Babies and Broadswords. Someone please wipe my pants. I pooped in my pants. Games like Dungeons and Dragons are more popular than ever. But with tons of rules, mountains of books, and so many dice, it can be hard to know where to get started. That's where Dungeoneering with Jason comes in. We're Dungeon Masters for Hire. Take a break and let us run your next game. One-on-one tutorials are also available for new DMs. Contact Dungeoneering with Jason today. Adventure is just a click away.